0: we will be turning, please, again to Revelation 20, which is our basic uh, section of Scripture from which we are drawing very major lessons before we perhaps look more at the detail of the actual verses in Revelation 20. I don't think we'll understand Revelation 20 very well unless we understand more fully and more clearly and in a greater way the whole doctrine of Satan, or should I say the whole history of Satan... And the doctrine and the teaching of Scripture is to the way in which God deals with Satan and with the whole system of evil. In chapter 20, and I will read it because I want to keep the points and the picture in your mind. It says, I saw an angel come down from heaven, having the key of the bottomless pit and a great chain in his hand. And he laid hold on the dragon, the old serpent, which is the devil, and Satan and bound him a thousand years and cast him into the bottomless pit and shut him up and set a seal upon him that he should deceive the nations no more till the thousand years should be fulfilled and after that he must be loosed a little season and just go down there to verse 10 and the devil that deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone, where the beast and the false prophet are and shall be tormented day and night forever and forever. Now there's your picture. Keep it in your mind. We're seeing Satan being dealt with. We're seeing Satan who is being restrained. We're seeing the devil and he is being restricted in his activities. He's being contained by in what he does. Indeed, he's being identified clearly for who and what he is. And he is being ultimately destroyed. Now, that's the picture we're getting here. And we have spent some time looking at Satan and uh, his origin and his work and the evil which he does and the way in which he entirely opposes the programs of God and the work of God and the people of God and the Christ of God. Now Satan may oppose what God does but what we're seeing is that God has his own program in opposing him. And finally, not only just and gradually restricting, always controlling, definitely containing and ultimately destroying him and destroying him completely. It is God's Program in his dealings with Satan it's intimately connected with the whole program of redemption. Because the whole program the whole story of redemption is God dealing with sin once and for all. If he's going to deal with sin once and for all he must deal with the originator of that sin and that is Satan the devil himself. We notice how in Genesis 3 when there was the fall God gave the outline of his plan, the bare bones of it, if I could put it that way, of what he intended to do. And he said to Satan when he brought sin into the world, now Satan, I'm I'm going to interfere with what you... You think you've got everything in your control. Well, I'm going to make sure that you are completely controlled outside of yourself by me. And his program was that there would come a problem between There'll be a problem between you and this woman. You cozied up to her and you chatted to her and you moved her and you got into the world <laughs> through her and through her husband. And But from here on there's going to be enmity from her to you. She's going to hate you. That's the first thing. And you're going to hate her. And there's going to come a whole generation from her who will be hating you and hating sin and loving righteousness and loving God and... You're not going to have that uninterrupted influence and that complete control. There's going to be opposition all the way through. And right through the history of mankind, there has been that, there has been the people of God in all generations and dispensations who have been opposed to the work of Satan. And God says you're not going to have free reign in the world. And more than that, there will come one seed who will finally destroy you. He will crush your head. And Satan, your actual capacity of activity is going to be met with opposition. It's going to be restricted. And ultimately there will come one who will deal with you, who will totally disempower you, and he will completely destroy you. Your activities are going to be opposed. Your time of your existence is fixed. And your doom is completely sealed. Now that's what you have here. And we saw... (coughs) in the period of time from Scripture, from the fall right through the Old Testament pe- time, how that Satan was constantly attacking God. He was constantly attacking the work of God, the program of God. And at the same time, God was overarching in his control, allowing him to go so far, but never to totally get his own way. And that's the whole point of, of what we did last week was to show you that even Satan is already contained, already was and immediately was, to some extent contained, to some extent restrained, to some extent controlled. He has never ever acted outside the boundaries of the will of God. That's important. It's not that God wills that Satan should do something and do something wrong. But God permits certain things to happen and then there gets a point where he says that is enough and he stops him dead. Well you saw that quite plainly didn't you in the way he corrupted the whole world in the way that the world was full of violence and corruption and there was every kind of perversion on the earth in the days of Noah and God says the end of all flesh has come before me and Satan says good This will stop the seed of the woman coming. This will destroy the whole of God's purposes and plans. But God says, but Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. God moves in in exactly the time and Satan does not get his full way. Now I think we need to take that lesson again because it's impressed on me to repeat it to you. Satan does not get his full way ever. We need to realize that in the world in which we live. Because we're seeing these sweeping changes, massive changes. We can see the country going, as it were, down the hill fast. We can see Satan rising up and, as it were, rubbing his hands with glee in the West as they turn against God and against his Christ and persecute the people of God and seek to enact every kind of evil thing unrestrained from positions of apparent power. Always remember, God is still on the throne please remember he is always in control. And I want to take that because I'm impressed to say it just in passing. Not just in the great affairs of the world, not just in the bigger, bigger pictures, but God is in control over the individual life of the believer. Let me say to you, fellow Christian, Satan wants to attack you personally as well as the entire program of God. Satan will attack you personally. He will do it. He wants to do it. And actually he wants to break you and to bring you down in your faith. That's the devil's object. And I want to read a scripture to you this morning because there's someone here who needs to hear this from the word of God who I feel is very definitely under the attack of Satan personally in their life and faith, whether it is just in your personal feelings, I don't know. Whether it's in your family life, I do not know. Whether it's in the workplace, I do not know. But I do know that Satan will attack God's people and he will do it one by one. But take heart because it's always a sign that, that, that you're a threat to him in a way, that it is you that's shining the light, it's you that's going on for God and it's you that he must stop. But let me tell you he wants to break you but by the grace of god he never never will never in first corinthians and chapter 10 there's a verse there that sums it up so beautifully when he says there is no verse 13 there's no temptation there's no, in other words there's no trouble or testing or trial that can come upon you but such as is common to man but the sort of thing that you would expect as a human being here on earth as one of God's people, right? Now you get to that part and it says, but, but God is faithful. Do you get that? God is faithful. He is committed to his people, to his promises, to his word and to his plans. And he will not suffer you to be tempted or tried or tested above that ye are able but he will with the temptation also make a way of escape it's not that he may bring the temptation to an end so that you can cope but while you're in the temptation he will give you that so that you may be able to bear it Satan proposes to destroy, God in faithfulness moves in to protect. He does it for the whole of the race of mankind. He does it for the whole of his entire purposes and plans. He does it for all the people of God. He does it for the entire church of God, for the gates of hell will never prevail against it. And he does it for the child of God. And fellow believer, under the pressure of satanic attack. Take the word of God to heart. You'll not be pushed beyond, beyond what you're able to bear. But God in his mercy will make a way of escape for you. That's the principle of how God, as it were, deals with Satan. And the incredible thing is, and we discovered it again in tracing the history through the Old Testament, is that God can even use the evil that Satan intends for the blessing of God's people or the blessing of the individual of God's people, and the furtherance of his own purposes. You might not expect that, but we saw that he did that over and over. Even in the fall, he brought glory to his name, and revealed himself as the God of love. And he brought even greater blessing for humanity, not just to take them to paradise, as it were, into the garden of Eden, but to take them right through the very gates of glory into heaven. And we saw how Israel decided they didn't want God to be their king. They wanted another man like the nations to be their king. And Samuel got all upset about it and God said to Samuel, look, don't. He said, they're not rejecting you. He said, they're rejecting me. But then God moved in and they said, we'll have Saul. And God said, no, no, I'll use your methodologies and your thinking, which are basically evil because you want to reject me. I'll use that method to put my man on the throne, David, a man after God's own heart. And God used that wrong thought and intent and movement amongst the people of God to bring in David who would establish the dynasty and bring in what? Great David's greater son. Now look, it's exactly the same for the individual believer. It's the same for you and me in our troubles and in our struggles and in the burdens under the attack where Satan would intend to break and he does intend to break you, fellow believer he's got nothing else in mind but your total destruction in usefulness for god that's what he's got in mind but the fact is it's all used by god in his grace for for our sanctification because you see as you move through the trouble you you realize don't you your own weakness and you you get a deep sense of your your own incapacity and you you cry out to the lord you seek him more earnestly you cling, as it were, almost more desperately. You seek to walk more closely. And in learning about yourself and your own weakness and your own need, you learn more about the Lord and His faithfulness and His promises. They're so true. And He never leaves you and He never forsakes you. And as you come out of the trial, you should come out of it. How? Well, you love Him better. You praise Him more. You distrust yourself a lot, lot more And indeed you learn to hate your sinful self a lot, lot more. And you learn to love the Lord and you find that you're a different person after the trouble than you were before the trouble. You have grown in your faith. You've been transformed into the same image as our Lord Jesus Christ. And the whole process of attack from Satan which comes against us all throughout our entire life, don't be surprised, the devil never goes away we'll see that for we're going to trace the life of the Lord Jesus as he grew up from a babe right from the very moment he was born right to his death the devil never went away or let up in the attack he will never leave you alone never ever leave you alone but as we go on in our faith and grow older so the change comes over us and we get more solid in our faith more, more peaceful and restful in our spirits more drawing near to the Lord and walking with him. And steadily we, we trust by the grace of God, we get a transformation inside us that's seen on the outside of us. Our character is being molded. and we've been saved for five years, and there's a change come over us that makes us different than when we were first saved in the first year. And the five years goes to 10 years. and there's a further change comes upon us that's greater than the change that was at the five years. And as we grow older, fellow Christian here, and some of us are getting mighty old, it's time the grace of God shone through you like the face of Moses when he saw the glory of the Lord and he shone out of it, came down, they said, oh, we can't look at this man. He's so full of heavenly light. You see that? We are looking on the glory of the Lord and should be transformed according to the same image from glory unto glory. That's the point of life. That's the point of testing. That's the point of trial. Satan says, my point is to destroy. God says, my my point that I'll bring out of what you're doing to that brother or sister, what you're doing to that child of mine, I will bring out my glory better seen in him than what it was before. Now that's what it's all about. You see how God is in control, don't you? Even of evil? You see that? So you move on through life and you know the Lord and you trust the Lord. And you are transformed into the same image. And it's very, very beautiful. Now I wanted to leave that very definitely this morning before we move on as it were into the next phase. Because we looked (coughs) at through the period of the Old Testament and now we're coming to the time of the coming into the world of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now this represents a tremendous change in the program of God. When I say a change, I should say the next phase in the program of God in dealing with Satan and in dealing with sin. Now go to Luke's Gospel. Go to Luke's Gospel because what we're going to do is we're going to look at the movements of God in the program of redemption or in the program of of dealing with Satan. We will start here at the coming into the world of the Lord Jesus. And then we will look at the Lord Jesus being prepared for this great and final work of destroying him who had the power of death. We will look with time through some of the major incidences in the life of the Lord Jesus. You have the period where he was growing up to be 12. And you children here, there's a lesson for you here and we'll come to it later on. The Lord Jesus... Going through those early years. And then reaching the age of 30 and the baptism, a very important time. And straight from the baptism, what do you have? You move into the temptations. And then after the temptation, you have him going out in the great mission of God. To undo the works of the devil. To set the captives free. To declare the acceptable year of the Lord. And it's a wonderful thing he's going to do. As a man sent from God, as the servant of God, as the Christ of God, as a true Messiah, he is going to come and break the power of counseled sin. He's going to set the captive free. We're going to go right to the point of his death. We're going to see the meaning of that death in dealing with sin and Satan and the captivity of sin and the glorious resurrection and the triumphant ascension. And we'll see him on the throne and we're waiting for him to come again when Jesus shall reign where'er the sun. To this successive journeys run and every knee shall bow and every tongue confess that he is Lord to the glory of God the Father. That's where glory belongs. Not amongst the men who would leave the world and think they had fame and not even realise that they're the dupes of Satan. That's what they are. They are merely minions helping the kingdom of darkness when the true king, who has been set upon God's holy hill of Zion, will ultimately reign forever and ever. What a blessing is ours, fellow believers. Let us lift up the hands that hang down. Make straight paths for our feet and look right off on the head, running with endurance, the race set before us, looking off unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of faith. He's the end goal. Christ is on the throne, and he will reign, and he will rule, and glory to his name. Meanwhile, <coughs> we're in an enemy's land. <laughs> Meanwhile, attacked on every hand. Now, the beauty of it is, is this. God moved and said, up until a certain point, if I could put it this way, God has been, as it were, on the... almost... almost from a distance, if you like to put it that way, just looking on at what's going on in the world and the seething mass of humanity and the rampage of Satan and generally overseeing and sort of controlling the whole thing. That seems to be the the picture you get that we went through in the Old Testament, you know. well, the, The world was nearly wrecked, but Noah. So God stepped in then and on and on we could go, but now there's a change when the Lord Jesus comes into the world, Luke chapter 2. <clears throat> and what we're seeing here is something quite amazing. Let me just read it to you, because it's, it's such a sweet and beautiful picture. And I always believe in getting the honey out of the Scriptures, all right? You know, sometimes you can study Scripture theologically, or grammatically, you know, and historically, and I said to one man once, look, some of you fellas, you'd suck the very sugar out of the honey, let alone the sweetness out of the word of God. So just enjoy it as well as learn from it. Luke chapter 2, what does he say here? It came to pass in those days that they went out a decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed. Now let's remember old Caesar here. He's no Christian. He's one of the devil's minions. And so he makes a decree. You think, well, that's very annoying because this this, uh, was going to mean that the people of God were going to be taxed. This taxing was first made when Cyrenius was governor of Syria. All went to be taxed, everyone in his own city. And of course, we'll see and we know that God is going to use the decree of a Caesar Augustus to line his own pockets with wealth, to build up an army to conquer the world and to rule like a despot. That's all he wants to do. He's the devil's man. And he's made a decree that you've got to go and get taxed. And God's got to use that very decree for the fulfilment of his own will and the bringing in of the Christ into the world in the very place at the very time where God intended him to be born and in the manner in which God intended him to be born. See how God overrules what Satan intends and brings good out of evil so often. And I've said it in relation to the big picture. I say it in relation to our current world in which we live. And I say it in relation to the life that you and I are living. He brings good out of evil. They write books. Why does God allow Christians to suffer? Because he's going to bring good out of evil. Why does he allow evil to triumph? Because he's going to bring good out of evil. Right. Joseph also went up from Galilee from Galilee, out of the city of Nazareth unto Judea and to a city of David which is called Bethlehem because he was of the house and the lineage of David to be taxed. With Mary, his espoused wife, being great with child. And so it was that while they were there, the days were accomplished that she should be delivered. And I love—I really love this verse. It just, it just creates a picture of beauty of childbirth and the beauty of motherhood. She brought forth her firstborn son. She... She wrapped him in swaddling clothes. She laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. And now just get that picture in your mind, it's just so lovely, of the mother and the child and the tenderness and the wrapping and the laying and the sheer delight of and care and tenderness of true motherhood. And it is a lovely picture for us to dwell on. But I want you to see it from God's side of things and the activity which was being undertaken by God and his mighty counsels and determined will at this point in history. Because what is happening is not now God as it were outside or from heaven high above, looking down, and in generally restraining and having an overarching control. But God himself, in the incarnate Christ, is invading the actual territory of Satan. It's as though this great battle that God is now undertaking has moved into the next phase. Rather than being on, as it were, the defensive, where you know you, you hold the enemy in a certain spot and you, mo- lo- you don't allow them to move too far this way or that way, you just are, as it were, using defensive tactics where you're protecting your own interests and plans and not allowing the enemy to go too far. What's happening now is God is moving into the offensive, right? God, as it were, is on the attack, you say, but it's only a babe in a manger. But out of the mouths of babes and sucklings, he's going to ordain strength to still the enemy and the avenger. And this babe that was born in such weakness, for there had no room for him in the inn, as a wee, a wee child in that manger, was none less than God coming into the world to bring low the mighty power of Satan and the sinful world which he had created. This was the true light coming into the world that would lighten every man. This was the joy that you beginning of the joy that you and I have when we sing, the light of the world is Jesus. This is God on the move. It's like what the Apostle John says in 1 John chapter 3 and verse 8. He says, For this purpose was the Son of God manifested that he might undestroy, is the word first in the authorised, that he might destroy the works of the devil. That's the purpose of this birth. The word for destroy there is to undo the works of the devil. And he has come, this child, not merely to be admired in the loveliness of the picture that we love to see at Christmas, But he has come and been sent by God, the Son of God, that he might ultimately destroy, undo everything that the devil has ever done. And we're looking at it from the other point. This is God's viewpoint on it. All right? We're going to take this further. We're going to take this further. I want you to understand that the incarnation, the coming into the world of the Lord Jesus Christ, is God moving forward his program. He is going to deal. He is going now on the attack. This is not the defensive. This is the offensive. This is the strong man's world being invaded by a much stronger than he. So we look at the picture again. She brought forth her firstborn son. She wrapped him in swaddling clothes. She laid him in a manger. And you love to think of it at Christmas time, don't we? We do, and it's very right and it's very, very beautiful. We have our Christmas cards and they're also pretty, they're also lovely. We like to do a, as it were a nativity scene, and that's that's very beautiful too. And we like to put all our thoughts together there, don't we? We we take that that crib and we put it there in the center part, and it's very clean and hygienic and The sweetness of a babe lying there in that manger.